Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Both Sides Now. Today it's just going to be Finn and I having a chat about how the campaign's gone so far and previewing the next couple of weeks coming up, leading into the election on October 14. Obviously early voting has started, started yesterday, and if you're overseas you're also able to vote online. So please make sure you go out and vote. Uh, it's going to be a pretty important election with some massive issues the country is facing. So I thought we'd kick it off uh, by discussing th exactly that, what do we think is firstly the biggest issue for us and also the biggest issue the country's facing. Ben, do you want to start? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, personally for me, as anyone who's been following any of my stuff uh, would know, it's obviously climate change is our, uh, the, the biggest issue for for me. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about the state of New Zealand's politics. And although I don't think any of the political party, parties are really going to give us an, as, as much climate action as I'd like to see, apart from perhaps 100% green government, which is just completely impossible. But I don't actually blame that on politicians as much. I more blame that on the voters, to be honest, because the voters aren't really putting climate change at the top of the policies. And, you know, politicians are put in power to do what the people want. And the people aren't really demanding the level of climate action that I personally want to see. So my frustration's more at the rest of the voters rather than um, the politicians. Yeah, what about, what about you? What's your biggest biggest one? Uh, probably what you're annoyed at the moment would be uh, the cost of living. I just think him, you know, living, living in Auckland, rent is expensive, food is expensive, petrol is expensive. Um, you know, I earn a reasonable salary for someone of my age, and it's still definitely quite tough. I do think, though, that climate change is a big issue that we're going to have to deal with. And I actually think Paddy Gower made a really good point when we interviewed him, is that we seem to get New Zealand kind of get siloed into being like, can only deal with one issue at a time. And that seems to be what's gone on this election with the cost of living and the climate change hasn't really been much of a discussion, which I think is quite concerning. Um, but out of interest, Finn, why do you think that the voters aren't that engaged with climate change? I think in New Zealand, we're lucky to be pretty sheltered from the worst effects of climate change. Like we're in the top 10 countries in the world least likely to be impacted by um, by climate change, although it'll be, still be pretty significant for us. And it's also just, I think, the nature of people, like they see what's in front of them the next couple of months, what's affecting them today. And um, although climate change is having some big impacts on New Zealand, it's not having as big an impact as things like crime and health, waiting lists and cost of living. So I guess that's the tough thing with political cycles is that we always put the issues of today um, ahead of the issues of the future and then they sort of mount up and we've done that with health um, to some extent, you know, both Labour and National have possibly underfunded some health outcomes and then now we're stuck with um, a lot of the results in our health system. So this, I guess it's a little bit analogous between some of our, some of the big issues. We've got to put that, you know, long-term funding down and put Kiwis um, of the future ahead of Kiwis of the today to some extent. I would actually, though, to be fair, I disagree with you a little bit that it's necessarily just the voters' fault because I do think as a good leader, you know, politicians have a role in sort That's of true. helping to sort of, you know, control or, you know, lead people on what the issues are they should be concerned about. And I also put the media in there a little bit too. I think everyone's sort of built into this idea of, you know, the economy and cost of living being the biggest issue and it's sort of faded away on climate change. And I think, you know, probably both of us would see in the ag sector in particular, I think that's going to be a really interesting watch over the next three years with likely looking going to be an act agriculture minister and probably Andrew Hoggard or Mark Cameron. And I have uh, grave concerns about how that's going to go for the sector because I don't think they've got the ability to like, paint the bigger picture about why we need to actually help climate change now. And yes, it might hurt in the short term, but potentially in the long term, it's going to be better. So I think I have quite concerns in that area. I'm sure you probably share those. 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point that it's not all the voters. I mean, politicians, you're right. And we've had we've talked about a few politicians with that, that they do have to sometimes make the hard decisions and go against the will of the voters, um, you know, for the ultimate good of New Zealand in the long run. So it is partly on the politicians. I mean, I was, I was sort of just alluding to that as in um, I'm a bit frustrated at voters as well for not showing up on that. But yeah, it's an interesting one on the ag point because Nationals got Todd McClay and we've chatted about this a bit. Um, I don't think he's really that good a representative of the agricultural industry in New Zealand. Um, so likely that National will um, sort of concede the agricultural portfolio and be one of those two, which I don't know if they're the best people to take it forward. Pers I, I, personally, I, and I, I can say this without bias, um, which you unfortunately can't, but I think Grant McCallum would probably be our best agricultural minister. Um, but I don't know if he's... Um, uh, let, let's see how fast he climbs the National ranks. He's only been in there not very long, so maybe that would be... If National has a second term, he, he'd be able to get in there as agricultural minister, which would which would probably be good. <laughs> yeah, Dad, we stoked to hear you say that. Um, it is a shame that we've lost Todd Muller, though. I think he would probably be yeah. a much better choice for the role. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting times in that football. Year. I think the only thing that would make it worse is if New Zealand First got in and New Zealand First became uh, got the role of minister for agriculture. Yeah, well, that would be a, a, a terrible outcome and something we've been, I guess, talking about a bit is... Um, that this New Zealand First Act national coalition looks likely. And I actually think there's a couple of good New Zealand First MPs. Um, uh, Mark, Mark um, is, is, is one of them. And Shane Jones is doing some weird TikToks. But Winston Peters is um, is yeah pretty, pretty outdated in the New Zealand political scene, I think, and not really offering a lot at all. I mean, there's zero substance to any of their policies, which is pretty unfortunate. Yeah, if anyone um, is considering growing New Zealand first, I would advise go and watch um, his interview with Jack Tame on Q&A uh, from Sunday, and it might hopefully will put you off voting, voting for New Zealand first. I definitely have grave concerns about how that coalition is going to go. I actually think despite national painting, Te Party Māori, Greens and Labour as a coalition of chaos, I think this coalition would be more chaotic having Winston Peters involved. And I think we'd probably be lucky to see out the three years uh, which is not what the country needs, given the massive struggles that we are facing and, you know, how tough people are finding things. We actually need a, str a strong, stable government, uh, which is uh, not looking like that we're going to get. Um, but something that you and both you and I are pretty keen on is top and seeing a move for national to work with top. So if anyone hasn't listened, we had the privilege of interviewing Raf Manji a few weeks ago. And I think it's probably one of the few things that I could both agree on is that we'd love to see Raf in parliament uh, and Raf working with national. Yeah, that's that. I think that would be an awesome outcome if they fall a couple of um, seats short, which it looks like Act and National likely will. Um, I, rather than sort of unpacking that whole situation now, I think it's really overlooked. But even I've got an op-ed that um, you'll be able to see shortly on on that subject. And the other thing that I'd really like to just quickly touch on is there's still a potential of a National Greens coalition, which would be my dream outcome. Uh, whether that's a possibility, I think if Top didn't get the votes and um, National and Act fell slightly short. I, I really hope Chris Luxton would go, hey, can we consider this? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think James Shaw would definitely consider it and you could have a just a National Green government. Um, but whether the National Party members and the Green Party members would go for it. There's a lot of Kiwis that want it, but there's probably a lot of National and Green Party members who aren't so keen because of the sort of differences on the social policies. Yeah, it's interesting. I watched his interview with Jack Tame on the weekend. Jack Tame on the weekend as well, and he wasn't ruling it out. Um, <laughs> James Shaw was doing everything he could to sort of, you know, talk around the issue. So mm. I think, you know, he he sees what we all see that potential to have, you know, that's really slightly conservative economic, but also they then have the, 
you know, more progressive on climate change. Because realistically, you look at that national caucus at the moment, and there's not anyone who stands out as being, you know, an outstanding environment or climate change minister. And I think James Shaw's done a really good job, mm. especially with the Zero Carbon Act, to get cross-party consensus except for ACT on that is an incredible effort. Uh, so I would be a, it's going to be a real shame to most likely not see him continue in that role. Yeah, for sure. The, the next thing I'd sort of say is um, I feel like pretty lucky going through this whole process with, um, you know, the democratic process in New Zealand. Man, we're so lucky. Compared, I'm in the States at the moment and it's just rubbish over here and a lot of the world, around the world, you know, looking at um, the ability to access information in government and the level of corruption, like the OIO requests that we've got in New Zealand are just absolutely fantastic. The government departments, although you might have a bunch of problems with them, they've got pretty good transparency. We know what's going on. Um, and, you know, a lot of the politicians in New Zealand are actually pretty matesy. I was really surprised in our debate to see David Seymour and Mark Cameron, who you'd think were sworn enemies in the media, like jabbing each other on the ribs and having a bit of a laugh afterwards, um, which I thought was really cool to see. And, yeah, we're pretty lucky to, I mean, just you and I sort of just off the bat with no, not a lot of credibility in this space, to be honest, getting interviews with five different prime ministers in a couple of months. Um, so there's amazing access to uh, politicians in New Zealand, which is which is pretty lucky. Yeah, what I've also actually really enjoyed this election is when there has been a bit of misinformation that the media have actually set out to try and get pull politicians off of it. I think I've seen them do that with both sides. Whereas I think, you know, you see in the America and overseas, the media are kind of festering into that and they're helping mm -hmm. to spread the misinformation. So I think we are pretty lucky that we've got a, um, a fourth of state who's done a really good job at trying to make sure voters are getting accurate information. Yeah, I'd, I'd completely agree with that. I think a lot of the time... I mean, if you look at the global media, everyone's sort of hating on big media, you know, but in New Zealand, I think we're pretty um, pretty lucky that the mainstream media is actually pretty solid, you know, News Hub and TVNZ and Radio New Zealand, some some really top journalists doing a, doing a fantastic job of holding our politicians to account and asking hard questions. So I've definitely um, echo your sentiment there that I think that the, the, the role of the mainstream media in New Zealand has done a fantastic job over the last few months. I also think it's quite entertaining watching this election because I... I I don't think there's been too much polarisation from the centre. I think Labour and National, despite their best efforts, aren't actually that different. Uh, uh, what has been disappointing to see, though, is the more fringe parties. Um, I'm sort of speaking about your voices for freedom, Vision New Zealand, Loyal New Zealand, coming out as sort of too um, much trying to uh, spread the misinformation. And I also think what has also been quite disappointing is a lot of the racism that's gone on. I know from personal experience with my dad, you know, seeing the debates whenever the Labour Party... Um, candidate was speaking today, people would start booing her. I think that's pretty unacceptable um, for New Zealand to be carrying on like that. Yeah, I agree with both of those. It's it's funny in New Zealand that we have um, the sort of four, there's, there's Liz Gunn's party, Freedom New Zealand, Democracy NZ and NZ Loyal. There's four or five of them actually, really small parties, all with a similar mandate. And they're like in, in the States, I guess you'd lump those parties as far right. But in New Zealand, I don't really feel like they are four or five far right policies. They're almost sort of... Um, weird exaggerations of New Zealand first that are somewhere in the middle, but they're not really left or right. They've just got some random positions and are sort of pushing, peddling disinformation. So, um, which is, which has been the only shame, but I think luckily New Zealand voters are, are pretty smart and, and those sort of minor parties won't get much, uh, much traction. Yeah, I also think we're pretty lucky that there are so many of them. So they'll split the vote yeah, exactly. themselves. Um, if they got organised and had one movement, we might be in a little bit more trouble. But yeah, I think New Zealand voters, for the most part, aren't on board with those sort of policies. Yeah, absolutely. 
Another interesting point I'd like to bring up is the Chris v. Chris. So how do we think each of the you know party leaders have gone on this campaign, particularly in the debates? Yeah, well, they've obviously both been going for that um, centrist centrist vote, and it's funny that you like you say Labor and National they they are super similar on a lot of their policies. I watched that the health debate um, with um, the, the two house house spokespeople, and they they were so so aligned. It was the most aligned debate I've seen. Um, we don't get a lot of progressive change out of that, unfortunately. And I guess it's sort of funny because in the last couple of weeks, things have heated up between the two Chris's a lot, particularly with that second debate. There's a you know, lot more, um, I guess, fight in both of them, but they're fighting over not a lot, really. So they're getting pretty, um, pretty, pretty riled up. But the differences are not that not that much, which, um, yeah, which I, I guess is. It's got advantages and disadvantages for New Zealand in terms of consistency. I think one of the really um, good things that we're consistent on is our foreign policy has been strong alignment on that, which is really important. Yeah, I agree on the foreign policy point. I also think it's been uh, quite good to see that Chris Luxon's gone well in the debate. I was probably a bit worried, given that Chris Hipkins is a much more seasoned performer. I thought Hipkins didn't go as well as he should have in that first debate, um, and Luxon's held his own, which has been really good. Um, yeah, I would agree. There's, there's a lot more agreement between the two of them than they would like. Uh, I do have some concerns about, I think, some of the nationals' policy on the tax um, and how they're going to raise the income around that. And I've, it's been interesting to watch Chris Luxon try and defend that because I think at times I don't even know if he believes what he's saying, um, and that does come across a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go on their final debate next week. Uh, but to be fair, that's two days out from the election, so potentially not much will change. Um, and I also think they're both pretty solid performers. I don't think whoever leads the country is going to take, you know, us down the wrong path or anything particularly. Um, but why wall managing is how much they are controlled by uh, their coalition partners and so how big those coalition partners become will probably dictate a lot of what we actually see from them in the coming terms. Exactly. Yeah, I think they're are both really similar leaders. I mean, Chris likes uh, Chris Hipkins is pretty different from Jacinda Ardern. I think, I mean, Chris Hipkins is probably further right. Um, he's... Uh, probably going to be a stronger leader fiscally, I think, a bit more over the detail. Um, I, I definitely don't think, though, he would be on the same level. Um, either of them would be on the same level uh, as Jacinda Ardern in terms of crisis management. Um, and let's let's hope we don't have any big big crises in the next couple of years. And um, it's a time for New Zealand to really get in, on top of our fiscal responsibility and address some of these long-term systemic um, societal challenges that we've got. Yeah, I think you've definitely seen Chris Hipkins be more conservative with those fiscal policies. You know, he brought out a capital gains tax pretty mm. quickly, wealth tax, any form of that. And I think you saw a bit of um, uh, displeasure with him as own caucus with that, with Dave, especially with David Parker and probably Grant Robertson as well. Mm. That could have been an option for him to sort of look to re, you know, change the tax system and potentially deal with some of the inequality issues we've got in New Zealand um, and sort of be a big point of difference from national. But I think he sort of saw the writing on the wall and he wants to win the centre. Uh, so he's going to put it off for as long as possible. Yeah, it's an interesting one, the capital gains tax, because I, I wonder if Chris Hipkins is right on this, is that is it an issue you do need cross-party consensus on? I'm I'm not sure. I mean, it, it would be a major to implement a capital gains tax with one government um, and then for another to unravel it. I I personally think that next, next time Labor's around, assuming National gets in, they should have a go at the capital gains tax and it would be really unlikely that a national government would reverse that because it would be such a substantial change. But I don't know, who knows, maybe he's right. Maybe we are sort of 10 years away from National coming on board with that and and. And implementing it. Yeah, I think you yeah, I think Hipkins might have seen the writing on the wall that the selection was not potentially going to go their way. Yeah. So no point in introducing it now. It's just going to get taken out straight away. Let mm. national come in, do their six or nine years, and then Labour will come back and hopefully have another 
they'll have to have another six or nine years to implement it and really embed it in. I suspect, because yeah. I think it's probably relatively inevitable that we'll have one at some point. Um, it'll just be a question of when as opposed to if. Mm. Um, so speaking of policies, what's one policy, if you could have any policy a party would put in place, Finn, what would you have? Uh, emissions pricing. I'd really like to see some emissions pricing. Actually, I'm going to do two ag policies, um, emissions pricing, and then also uh, e education, something in um, in our education curriculum on both food and fibre and um, climate and ecological literacy. I think connecting kids to nature uh, is and, and farms is just a, a real real win-win. So obviously stronger, stronger climate policy, but I won't um, unpack that at emissions pricing. But yeah, it, more education around um, climate and ecological food system literacy. Bring ag into the ETS? No, def, def, definitely not ag in the ETS. Um, uh, I, I think we need to um, se yeah, separate emissions and sequestration, have the sequestration in the ETS. Farmers getting rewarded for more sequestration, but definitely needs to be priced separately. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, probably, especially on the education one. I think, you know, bringing agriculture into schools, you know, I think for kids to understand, you know, their glass of milk they have doesn't just come from the bottle in the fridge. I think it's super important. Mm. Um, I'd also what, look to see some civics education. I think this election, um, I think we see a lot of disengagement for the younger people. And I think that's just because partly I think people are over politics, but I also think a lot of people just don't actually understand how the political system works. And, so, and this gets said every time, but you know, it'd be awesome to see if someone actually makes a movement on it. And it's probably kind of a bigger, um, probably not just one policy, but it'd be nice to see some of the political parties looking a little bit more holistically when they actually plan their policy manifestos and to try and actually solve some problems more longer term. Uh, you know, you sort of see in the justice space, both national and labour, a lot of their policies are around just sort of cracking down on crime now. Let's put criminals in prison for longer. There's not a lot of actual longer term, how do we actually prevent crime in the first place? That's sort of where I'd like to see some, you know, more movement. And Bill English kind of got there with his social investment approach that he talked about in 2017. Unfortunately, we never actually got to see that, but something like that to come back would be really awesome. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, that's sort of been part of the premise of this podcast is trying to get... Um, you know, information about the election and politicians out to young people, which are, which is pretty tough, right? Because we do go pretty dense, um, and it's hard to hard to get it into young people's hands unless it's in you know super small bite sized TikToks. And I think part of the answer is, um, you know, more people doing what we're doing, getting in that TikTok form, but also probably the role of the government in getting civics education into schools. Because I definitely didn't learn anything about the election. Um, or you know why it's really important to engage in a democracy was when I was at school. Um, so I feel like that's important. Like you know I've got um, people in younger demographic to me. My brother's demographic at uni been chatting to him and a lot of his mates, and um, there's definitely a pretty high level of disengagement with with politics, um, which is something that has always been a challenge, but is, is a continual work on for New Zealand. Predictions come October fourteen. Who are we who are we thinking we'll see? I, I think it'll be a national, it's, it's going to be a national act. Um, and I, I actually think, I, I don't want it to be, I think national and act are going to get there on their own. Yeah, I am, I would love to see just national act as opposed to having New Zealand first in there. I do think that we'll have, it'll be a very conservative right-wing government, which I, despite that being right-wing, I do still have some concerns about. My gut feeling, though, I think we'll end up with Winston there. I don't think Labour yeah. are going well enough. I think, you know, when Labour's vote collapses, we see that New Zealand First come up, and I think if New Zealand First are involved, unfortunately, we're going to wind up with um, Winston involved. I did note just before I saw that National are now trying to take the coalition of chaos as 
Labour, Greens, Te Pāti Māori and New Zealand first. So I think they're now just trying to deflect the fact that they've got their own coalition of chaos. But yeah, I sort of, my most likely, I think, we'll probably will end up with New Zealand first in the picture, yeah. unfortunately. Just a, I mean, a, a quick one though, like, because I, I think David Seymour hasn't really clarified if he will actually work with Winston Peters. Like, what if they get into the negotiation room and Winston Peters and David Seymour just refuse to work together and they are short and National goes, well, we don't have an option, right? So I, I, I think the option then is we possibly got, would go to a re-election, right? Which is a very real, realistic possibility at that point. Like, I mean, it's it's heading the way that we could be stuck in three months of negotiations with a possible re-election, which would be a, a real muck around for everyone, really, which is which is a realistic possibility at this stage. Yeah, well, that you reminded the other day that I think after the 1996 election that was a when New Zealand first were going into coalition with National, that they had a three-month negotiation. I think it's, I don't think the coalition negotiations will happen within a week. I think you're right. I think it'll take months. Um, just knowing the characters involved, Winston Peters, David Seymour. And I also do think that at National, we've got a relatively young leadership in um, Chris Luxon's in his first term, Nicola Willis is in her second term, I believe, Chris Bishop's in his second or third term. So you haven't really got any of those sort of people who've been around for a long time like you would have had when they were in 2017. You know, you had Bill and Bush who'd been around for a long time, Jerry Brownlee, Stephen Joyce. I don't think you've got that same level of um, political, like, you know, just political mm. knowledge that you've been national, um, which also is concerning, I guess, if you did end up in a coalition with them, how, that, how they'd be able to lead David and Winston. But the worst outcome of the country would be if we've got to go to a re-election um, in December or February next year. That would be um, horrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I think that's it for me. It's been a yeah, um, fun last couple of months with a few interviews and debates, and looking forward to seeing how it shapes up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, awesome. Make sure you get out, get out and buy everyone, and um, we'll hopefully look forward to chatting with you all again after the election.